Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Rebel Daily Roundup on this, a Friday, January 26, 2024. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Folks, do you know today is National Have Fun at Work Day? And I would like to comply, but it might be an HR violation. She is the she-devil of the spatula. She is the Khaleesi of the greater Coburg area. She is Tamara Ugolini. Are you having fun at work yet, Tamara? You know what? There's never a dull day, especially when it comes to working alongside the iconic David Menzies. Oh um, especially being back in the flesh here. It's been a long time, I yes. guess, since, uh, gee, I can't remember not this year, that's for certain, since last time we were sitting in these chairs in front of our viewer audience. So it's uh, I'm, I'm excited, but a little bit rusty. So we'll see how this goes. I know, I feel your pain, uh, Tamara Ugolini. Uh, it used to be Sheila and I, and occasionally you and Alexa would jump in. We would do this four days a week. But you see, your super producer Efren, he was kind of like the farmer uh, down at the barn. Uh, he decided uh, it was time to put me out to pasture. And uh, so he led me by the nose off the set. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they thought I could be more effective, and I agree, uh, yes. going out into the field because 100%. there is just so much insanity out there. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, and we do have a lot of insanity, speaking about mental illness um, <laughs> and things like, oh, I don't know, uh, Tucker Carlson derangement uh, syndrome, uh, I just want to say uh, a belated happy Rabbi Burns Day to all our Scottish uh, viewers. That was yesterday, of course. In fact, uh, Tamara Ugolini, in honor of the great Scottish poet, I was going to pen a poem for you, my dear, oh. but I just couldn't come <clears throat> up with a rhyming stanza to Hickory Dickory Dock. Oh, what do you think about that? Maybe for Valentine's Day. <laughs> Valentine's. Just around the corner, don't you know? Watch out, Lady Menzies. No, you should. <laughs> You should channel your efforts there, David. Don't waste them on me. <laughs> um, without further ado, so we have some, The I, I guess one of the biggest stories in uh, Canadian news is the fact that U.S. commentator Tucker Carlson can trigger the Liberals so fiercely just simply by coming to Canada and talking to Canadians who hold a conservative worldview. Um, so extreme and radical of them. How dare they? So uh, for anybody who isn't familiar, Tucker Carlson made two appearances in Alberta. Was that yesterday or the day before? I'm getting my days all mixed up here. Um, I believe it was Thursday, so so yesterday. No, I think it was Wednesday, wasn't it? It was Wednesday. Yes. Okay. okay. Thanks, David. Um, and so for anybody who isn't familiar with that, we have a couple of the most kind of uh, iconic clips from his speech there. And uh, there was Premier Alberta Premier Daniel Smith in attendance and some other key people. Um, so maybe we'll start off with a couple clips of Tucker and what he had to say that just was so triggering to the Liberals. And then we'll follow it up with how they have subsequently reacted. Hmm. Um, one of the first ones uh, is basically when Tucker is condemning this new policy in British Columbia where they're going to give minors fentanyl, if you can believe it, without their parents' consent, because I guess safer supply and harm reduction strategies haven't been an absolute failure in that province since they began pioneering it in 2016. And uh, Tucker seems very aware of the, the, the cost and the toll of these policies. Let's have a listen. Incredible. If you have a government 
that is giving fentanyl to your children, as they are in BC, and notice your premier has a no fentanyl to kids policy, God bless her. Um, I know, and you're applauding, I mean, and I'm applauding, and I'm grateful. But how distorted is your world where you have to applaud the one politician's like, you know, we're not gonna give fentanyl to the kids today. Okay, but then take two steps further back from that and ask yourself, if someone's giving fentanyl to your children, what, what, what's kind of the message of that? Well, they're trying to kill your children, obviously. Fentanyl? It's the number one cause of death under 40 in the United States. Number one in the whole country, followed by suicide. If you wanna know where we are, we're about two years behind you. And it's only because we have a louder media space than you do that we aren't ahead of you. But if someone's giving fentanyl to your children without telling you, they're trying to kill your children, which are your inheritance, or the only meaningful thing you will ever produce on earth, okay, or your children. That's the first thing to know. You know, Tamara Ugolini, the first thing I want to address is this is without parental consent. Mm -hmm. I know you're a mother, so you probably understand what I'm, where I'm going with this. When my kids were minors in the school system, if they wanted to get on a school bus and take a field trip from Richmond Hill to the Royal Ontario Museum in downtown Toronto, we had to fill out like eight sheets of permission forms. Uh, eight sheets for like for, for just a field trip uh, in which there was absolutely 0.0% danger. And suddenly um, that's okay, but uh, it's not okay to even inform the parents that they're going to have these uh, hard drugs ingested. Uh, I, I can't make sense of this. Yeah, and that still persists to this day. You know, if there's a field trip or there's any sort of outside of school, even I think when they walk around the perimeter of the school for things like the Terry Fox run, you have to sign a waiver for, to be able to, for your child to be able to partake in that. And yet, yes, here we are in bizarro world, upside down world, Justin Trudeau's clown Canada, where you can give fentanyl to minors without even letting their parents know. And another egregious thing that happens in this country is um, the idea of socially transitioning children at school yeah. without their parents' consent. So a similar kind of unfolding in here where the, the, the wishes and the agenda of the state supersedes the parents' right to know and consent to what is happening with their children who are minors, who can't vote, who can't, you know, buy a pack of cigarettes, who can't go and purchase a bottle of liquor, I mean, legally from the LCBO. Um, but yet here they are being able to make these life-changing decisions yep. based on very little evidence that they are effective or safe without their parents' ability to be able to say, hey, wait a minute, let's weigh the risk and the benefit and let's have a conversation about this. Um, and I note here that Carlson also has some really powerful things to say on the topic of gender transitioning and ideology that has been proliferating our publicly funded schools for the better part of, I don't even know, several years now. Mm -hmm. That's really scary. And I don't care how much they dress it up in the passive aggressive, self-help language of the modern left. Well, it's really about public safety. Every time I turn on your freaking television shows, everything's about public safety, which is a euphemism for hard-edged fascism, actually. And frankly, I'm a little bit more comfortable with the old-fashioned variety, where guys in tight uniforms goose-step through your town, because at least you know who you're fighting. And you know what it's gonna take to liberate your town. Get rid of these people and everything will be okay. But when they show up and they're therapists with advanced degrees, 
And they look at you in the face and say, no, actually, little Dylan just needs more fentanyl. Little Dylan's actually a girl. And we're going to, yes, he's a girl. Sorry, she's a girl. She's a girl. And if you don't agree, well, maybe we may have to remove Dylan to more care-affirming custody. Oh, you're going to take my kids away because I don't want to castrate them. They'll never say that, of course, because clear language is their enemy, because clear language exposes who they really are. They're not people who are trying to help you. They are people who are trying to hurt you. Anyone who goes after your children, anyone who encourages you to have fewer children is trying to make you extinct. It's literally that simple. And it's only in the advanced West that we don't see that. Try that crap in Bulgaria. Try that in Serbia. How do you think that would fly in Serbia? We're just going to give little Voldok some fentanyl. And we think, you know, he may be, you wouldn't even get to the next sentence before you got shot. Because you're trying to kill someone's kids. And your average Serb, whatever you think of them, doesn't have generations of therapy talk that acts as a logical intermediary in his brain and prevents him from seeing what's actually going on here. They're trying to kill my kids. I'm the father. I won't allow it. I'll lay my life down to prevent it. It's literally that simple. You can hear the cheers in the crowd oh, when he says that, too. 100%. You know, um, Tamara Ugolini, Bulgaria is looking really good as an exit strategy country for me right now. And I got to tell you, um, right off the bat, um, Bulgarian feta is my favorite feta cheese. I'm so okay. sorry to my Greek friends. I know you're yelling at me now, but I just call him as I see him. But the thing is, he's on to something. And, and he didn't get into the indoctrination part, uh, Tamara, because if you look at schools right now, the, 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 the kids in schools, um, there have been polls that are showing that over 20% of students uh, identify as part of the LGBTQ uh, spirit unicorn community. Um, I'm not buying that because we let's look at the stats. While the left would like you to believe that community represents 10% of the global population, that's false. It's really under 2%. Mm -hmm. And of that 2%, it is a rounding error, uh, you know, in terms of um, those in the trans community. And that's important because... Um, and you even see in that community divisions, uh, gays against groomers, uh, LGB uh, without the T. And in that particular instance, Tamara, that's uh, lesbians, gays, and bisexuals going, wait a minute, no, 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 we're not part of Team T, Team Trans, because they realize that radical agenda is a war on them as lesbians, uh, homosexuals, and, and bisexuals. And by that, I mean... Let's take an example, a nine-year-old boy, maybe, you know, he, he, he's not into sports, he maybe he's being a little effeminate, um, but, you know, right now, a lot of people would say, ah, see, Johnny, that's really a woman trapped in a man's body or a girl trapped in a boy's body. We got to get the puberty blockers out. We got to prep them for uh, genital surgery. But give it some time because maybe at the time he's, you know, 17, 18, it turns out, you know what? He's just a gay guy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if we listened to the woke mob on this, we would have sliced and diced his genitals, uh, put him uh, filled with chemicals, and made him go through life as a pretend girl. I mean, I'll tell you, Lady Menzoid back in the day, I mean, she was the ultimate tomboy. She was climbing trees. She would tear the heads off Barbie dolls. <laughs> now, 
I mean, if she was born now, right? If she was living now as a child, um, you know, she would, uh, well, probably she wouldn't be a woman anymore. Or uh, uh, if she married me, uh, I, I think of the uh, BJ, the Bee Gees uh, song, uh, More Than a Woman to Me, if you catch my drift. But this is a problem. Uh, the indoctrination and the idea, I think, Tamara Ugolini, that being trans is cool. Absolutely. It's a social contagion. Everybody who condemns this, and if you look at the the detransitioners, as they're called, as they become mature and have their, their rational brain develops, that frontal lobe, you know, it's not finished developing until well into your 20s. And so as those psychological changes and that maturation occurs, they say, wait a minute, what am I doing here? This is, and they're also reeling from the health effects and the fallout of hormone replacement therapies and the devastation that that wreaks on their bodies. And they're saying, I made a big mistake. And so we can see that, that this social contagion has contaminated the minds of young, impressionable children who oftentimes just don't really have anywhere to, to fit in, right? And you shouldn't as a youth. Yeah. You're discovering who you are. Yeah. You're sorting out some serious identity um figuring out who you are as a person, what your identity is going to be, uh, what you stand for, and to shoehorn these children who are naturally just trying to figure out where they fit in their life and in society, to shoehorn them into these labels and cause this kind of permanent damaging issues onto their susceptible bodies, telling them, oh, no, 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 this is reversible. You can come back from yeah. this. Just go off the hormones. Everything will go back to normal. No, that is a fabrication that is false and misleading and is not upholding the cornerstones of medical ethics, which is informed consent and informed choice. And uh, you know it's really sad. I, I I'm glad you brought up the, the term medical ethics. I hope that's not an oxymoron these days, especially yeah. post-COVID, uh, Tamara Ugolini. But here's the deal. As they say in this business, when, it, when you're looking for motivation, always, always follow the money. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, folks, this gender-bending surgery represents billions and billions of dollars of new revenue streams for hospitals, especially uh, private hospitals. And to Tamara's point, you know, uh, if, if you realize you have buyer's remorse that, you know, your depression didn't turn around by uh, pretending to switch your gender, hey, we'll, uh, we'll undo it or try to, and that'll be another uh, X number of thousands of dollars you're gonna have to pay. These doctors behind this, you have totally sacrifice the Hippocratic Oath, which literally means do no harm, right? You don't have morals. You don't have ethics. It's about the almighty buck and the idea you are uh, having your focus on children, on minors that shouldn't be allowed to make a decision like this. You are absolutely despicable and shame on you uh, just because, well, you want the latest BMW F series car. Despicable. You know, people sometimes say, well, what does COVID have to do with the trans issues, have to do with safer, safer supply and harm reduction? And I simply say all roads lead back to pharma. Look at the monopoly that pharma has on all of these seemingly separate issues proliferating in our society. And it is pharma and the lobbyists yeah. that have that stranglehold 
on all of this because they're the ones, as you say, if you follow the money, that are profiting from the crisis that people are facing. And it's, you know, the vast majority of people can't seem to make it through the fog enough to see past what's directly in front of them and say, hey, wait a minute, who's responsible for this and who's profiting from it? Because from what I gather, all roads lead back to pharma. And, and Tamara, on that point, how many new billionaires, that's billionaires with a B, were minted in the pharmaceutical industry due to COVID, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't have the precise number, but we know they're out there. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, we're all in this together. Really? Uh, Joe's uh, toy store has to shut down uh, and probably be rendered out of business. But the guy peddling uh, this poison uh, is going to be on uh, billionaire's row. What a disgrace. Mm-hmm. And now in reaction to Tucker Carlson's lamented appearance, the liberals have had a complete meltdown about this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm loving it. They're so desperate. They are so desperate. They're they're way down in the polls. The conservatives are leading by a massive majority in this country. There's a sweeping conservative wave happening. And um, I think that they're just running scared and they don't have any ability to formulate their own thoughts. And so (laughs) they're stuck trying to keep the wheels turning. And meanwhile, you have someone like Tucker Carlson, who's speaking logical sense, right? He says in his some of his other the other clips that we have in his entire speech, where it's this fluffy, flowery language of the left that they when you present them with just straightforward speak, you no fluff, no BS, they just melt. It's like the Wicked Witch of the West, where it's like, I'm melting. <laughs> and um, so anyway, we have a couple of clips here to share with you that we'll, we'll laugh about on the inside. Uh, Stephen Gilbo, he somehow says that he was targeted at the Tucker event. <laughs> like, way to play victim. I mean, this goes beyond me and the fact that I was targeted last night at, at this event. This increases political violence against everyone who runs for office in this country, whether they're doing it at the municipal level, at the provincial level, or at the federal level. As my friend and colleague Randy said, like we can have differences of opinion. We can bang our fist on, on the table when, when we meet. We can have strong disagreement. But, but, but to, to, to incite violence against people who disagree with you, that's not how things should be done in Canada. Are you not contributing to the divide by coming out here and comparing Polyev to this and making this about him? Are you not contributing to the divide by doing that? If your government has been accused We're not, we're not comparing Polyev to him. I think what... what You're my, not? Have you looked at your own advertising from Mr. your Mr. What Mr. Rodriguez just said is he said, I, 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 I'm asking Pierre Polyev, the leader of the opposition, yeah. to condemn those hateful and violent Absolutely. statement by, and by, by Tucker Carlson. But are you not comparing? You know, that's a little rich, a couple of convicted criminals talking about uh, violence. You know, Guibault, like, you know, in another life was uh, uh, illegally scaling up the CN Tower. And I believe uh, uh, the other jabroni, uh, drunken uh, DWI charge. Yes, Um, You know, so this is the moral high ground. Are, Are you kidding me? But, you know, Tamara, more to the point, I think, I mean, not even they believe what they're saying. Mm-hmm. 
This is, this was a horrible, horrible week for Trudeau and the Liberal Party of Canada. You had the federal court ruling coming down. You had uh, uh, David Lametti uh, deleting his Twitter account and buggering off. Um, now there are reports about Trudeau allegedly using a racist term. Uh, yes, for, yesterday. Um, that's right. Mm -hmm. And this is PR 101 in politics. Change the channel. We had a week of LLL losses right across the board. What do we do? Let's get people calling, you know, um, let's get people talking about this hate meister, this uber MAGA type from south of the border instigating violence against um, MPs. I, I, you know, I wonder, uh, Mr. Gibo, uh, how do you define violence? Um, words or opinions? or ideology you don't agree with, or, you know, kind of what happened to me two weeks ago in Richmond Hill when one of your Royal Canadian Mounted henchmen bounced my head off of a wall for asking uh, Fraulein Freeland an insensitive question. Yeah, I, you see what I'm getting at, Tamara? There is actual real violence uh, carried out by this uh, party, and then there's this phony baloney uh, violence. Here we go, in case anyone missed it. Um, and I don't think many did. It went viral for so many days. Uh, there you go. Uh, they know who I am. They know I mean no harm. Mm -hmm. If they didn't know who I am, they see the Rebel News uh, mic flash. And uh, here I am being arrested for assault, meaning that the Mountie, that cue ball guy there, stepped into me with a clothesline right out of professional wrestling. And, you know, uh, truth be told, Tamara, do you know... I felt him before I saw him. My mm -hmm. vision was laser focused on uh, Minister Freeland. Uh, I didn't know there was an ambush at play, uh, but I found out the hard way. And uh, one last thing on this. What does it say about this so-called assault? I mean, assaulting a peace officer, that's a really big deal, folks. But why was it in less than an hour, uh, Q-Ball decided to drop the charges? But wait a minute, he was so offended. I assaulted a peace It was witnessed by several people, including other police officers, video recorded by probably two dozen people. And uh, suddenly, oh, you know what? I guess it was an assault after all. But to, their, but to the point we're getting at, isn't it amazing how these liberal uh, cabinet ministers feel that they are under assault when no one's even uttering a, a, a threat of violence to them. It's unbelievable. It seems like if, if, you, if you if you critique or criticize or condemn <laughs> their policy, this is somehow inciting violence and hate. And it's, yeah. you know, if you can't take the heat, maybe you should get out of the kitchen, um, is, is how the saying goes. Because if you're going to rule through oppressive tactics, as we've seen the liberals do repeatedly and that federal court ruling where they um, where a judge determined that the invocation of the Emergencies Act was in fact unconstitutional, which I guess the liberals are going to squander more of our taxpayer dollars to appeal. That is proof in the pudding of the oppressive regime that we live under in Canada, where if you criticize or condemn or even question the validity of the policies that they in institute on everybody indiscriminately, you're somehow seen as a far-right bigot who's inciting hate and violence. And I guess that's what... Uh, 
the entire basis of Tucker Carlson's uh, event was to say, what is going on in Canada? Like, this is not okay. Look what you're up against. Everybody who is a dissident or questions this is being silenced, suppressed, uh, slandered, basically. I mean, look at that. I would call that, you know, a slanderous statement to say that this event somehow incited hate and violence uh, because from what I can see, uh, there was nothing further from the truth. So and you know, Tamara, that's the way really, the liberals go. I, I loved your description of, you know, they're like so many wicked witches of the West, you know. Um, <laughs> by the way, I, and I, got, I don't mean to get off on a tangerine here, but even as a kid, this bothered me. You're the wicked witch of the West. You have all these incredible powers and your only Achilles heel is water. Yeah, so in my castle, I'm going to have buckets of water <laughs> everywhere. You know, it's kind of like Star Wars, you know, the Death Star, right? It is completely an invulnerable uh, death machine, can eliminate planets even. Um, you know what? There's just this one little design flaw. It'll be a one in a billion shot, but it can blow up the whole uh, weaponry. Uh, yeah, let's let's just ignore that and go on. But I will say this, <laughs> in defense of the Wicked Witch of the West, her dying statement is how I feel every day, especially during the COVID years, which is this. What a world. What a world. <laughs> Wicked witch, I feel your pain. So profound. Um, okay, let's go to another clip. So standing beside in that last one, that was Environment Minister Stephen Gobo, and he was uh, joined there by Transport Minister Pablo Rodriguez. We have another clip here of Pablo to share where he, um, I guess, stands up against division by calling for Polyev to condemn Carlson's presence in Canada. <laughs> condemn. <laughs> You brought up Pierre Polyev's name in your comments. I mean, is this going to be your effect, your strategy effectively well, going forward? Is tying Pierre to be, Polyev to Trump? He wants to be prime minister of this country. These, what happened last night is not acceptable. Is he going to condemn that? If he wants to run for prime minister, he should have the courage to condemn those. It's not acceptable. So not is this going to be your strategy? Or I, I mean, what do you make of the fact that there is an audience for it and for for their perspective. Well, as, as I said in French, the extreme right po po politics <laughs> will, don't ask the question if it's coming to Canada. It's already here. Is this and they bring it in. Oh my goodness. You can see what the gears in his head, uh, Tamara Ugolini. Um, is, is anyone buying this? You know? It, well, <laughs> I love that there's actually a media presence there that is kind of starting to push back a little bit. That's actually refreshing for me to say. But when they're using things like not acceptable, um, remember when Trudeau said that there was a fringe minority with yeah. unacceptable views on its way to Ottawa to protest the COVID mandates? And we ended up discovering that that was not at all a fringe minority. That was what the majority of Canadians, how they felt and what they wanted to see. And they supported it. And so what do the Liberals do? Well, they invoke that Unconstitutional Emergencies Act used to quell and squash a peaceful protest. And then they seize the bank accounts of anybody who continued or had to that point supported the convoy, even before it reached Ottawa. If you donated $10 to the GoFundMe while you were on the uh, foreign the the watch list as a domestic terrorist and so when you have these ministers say that Tucker Carlson coming to Alberta wasn't an acceptable event to run I say watch out everybody because maybe your bank account will be seized next but you know what isn't that very telling Tamara Ugolini uh not acceptable uh so you mean freedom of speech freedom of assembly uh freedom of expression 
there was like 4,000 people plus in Calgary, almost 10,000 in Edmonton. Uh, they weren't shanghaied and forced at gunpoint. They paid money for tickets uh, to get there. That's not acceptable. And yet, what have we been seeing in the streets of our great dominion since October 7th? Pro-Hamas hooligans calling for the death of Jews, the vandalization of Jewish-owned businesses, genocide, the annihilation of the state of Israel. Uh, when is uh, the Frito Bandito, I mean, sorry, Pablo Rodriguez, when is he going to come out and uh, say that's not acceptable? Or is it, you know, we got to weigh our options here. Um, there might be, sadly, more people in Canada that are pro-Hamas than are pro-Israel. So it's just business, baby. We're going with the numbers. We're going to soft pedal our condemnation for people who are actually calling for death and genocide. That's okay, according to Pablo, but you get together in an auditorium and you listen to Tucker Carlson. That's not acceptable. Give me a break, Tamara Ugolini. Yeah, you listen to Tucker Carlson speak some realness, <laughs> and this yeah. is somehow twisted by the liberals who are melting into uh, inciting hate and violence. Maybe we'll just um, we'll just show this this last clip because it's the the prime minister himself who is claiming Polyev is trying to appease Putin apologists <laughs> like Tucker Carlson. Can you believe it? My very first call this year was with Volodymyr Zelensky, who wanted to know that Canada still stood with him, that Canadians still stood with him. And I told him, yes, we do. The Canadian government and most of the parties in the House will continue to stand with him. But Pierre Polyev and his conservatives chose to vote against support for Ukraine, calling it a faraway foreign land to appease Putin apologists like Tucker Carlson and those who enable him. Uh, yeah, but the only thing is, Tamara Ugolini, it is a faraway foreign land by definition. It's not on our uh, border like the United States of America. You know, this is clearly uh, Trudeau uh, pandering to the Ukrainian vote. There was a huge uh, Ukrainian-Canadian uh, community. You know, I used to play, uh, when I got my start in uh, uh, journalism, I was uh, in St. Paul, Alberta, and there was a little village called Murnum. And um, I was the goalie. Uh, that was the first unique thing. The second unique thing, I was the only non-Ukrainian player <laughs> on the team. So I under, I get it, a lot of Ukrainians out there. But it's just like, you know, when I got assaulted, folks, that was at a fourth year anniversary vigil for the Ukrainian airline that was shot down, 55 Canadians, uh, 30 permanent residents on that, most of whom were of Persian descent. And that was blackface reaching out to the Persian community. Um, with a nothing burger, by the way, um, we might, we're thinking about putting the IRGC, you know, the assassins on the terror list, uh, give us some time. It's been 40 years for God's sakes. So you can see he's going into all the silos because in about 18 months or so at max, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have an election. Um, Trudeau can only rag the puck until uh, October of 2025. And this is him pandering uh, 
Um, uh, because you know what? And, and he's going after significant numbers, especially with Ukrainians in Canada, because we know where he is with the trans community. He's all down there. But, you know, they're, um, uh, that's not any kind of critical mass uh, out there. What are your thoughts, Tamara? Well, when he says things like Canada stands with Ukraine and he's coming at that as a fringe minority government, whereas most Canadians are struggling in our current economic landscape to feed their families, heat their homes, buy fuel for their vehicles just to get to work. And then I, I just found here, and I'm sure there's another announcement that's more up to date than this one, but this comes from a September 20, sorry, a September 22nd, 2023 update. And um, if you scroll down just past the last set of bullet points there, it says today's announcements bring Canada's total committed support to more than $9.5 billion in multifaceted assistance to Ukraine since the beginning of 2022. Um, I think if you just scroll down just a little bit more there, just above the quotes, yep just down a little bit more. Today's announcement, there it is. Um, $9.5 billion in multifaceted assistance to Ukraine. No, can Canadians are saying, no, let's figure out what is happening here at home with our various crises uh, taking place from the drug crisis to the housing crisis to the cost of living crisis. Why are we sending $9.5 billion to Ukraine. Yeah. Canadians, no, as a fringe minority government, this does not represent the majority of Canadians who are saying, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense, and we need to figure out our problems at home first. And, you know, the other thing, uh, Tamara Ugolini, that really uh, makes my spidey senses tingle about the Ukraine situation is their president, Zelensky, who has come out to publicly attack uh, Donald Trump. Um, I think this is a terrible piece of strategy. I fully expect Trump, barring assassination, is going to be the next president in the United States. So uh, the idea that this man getting being the recipient of all these billions of dollars is in the Biden camp, and look what Biden has done in the last four years. If you're an American, uh, as always, when it comes to an election, you have to ask yourself the question, am I better off today than I was four years ago? Um, I think unless you're in the pharmaceutical industry, I think it's almost 100% going, no, no, it's buyer's remorse. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I do not appreciate uh, this man's brand of politics. Yeah. Now, I just have one more clip that I think we should share before we go to an ad break. Okay. Uh, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith obviously was under fire after this Tucker Carlson event that apparently the liberals think somehow incited hate and violence onto them um, simply by just his presence and speaking to a, a crowd. I think sold out uh, 10,000 people and 4,000. I would assume that's pretty much max capacity. Um, and here is her response to media being questioned about that. I do want to ask about your attendance at both of Tucker Carlson's events yesterday. This is somebody who has been accused of defending white supremacy, spreading misinformation about the war in Ukraine, as well as making disparaging remarks about women. So why did you believe that this is someone that you should be giving time and attention to? Well, I, I t take a wide range of media requests. I've done, I've been told by my staff, 96 individual media events uh, or uh, interviews since I got reelected, 24 press conferences. And I don't require, I don't do a screening test to make sure that every person that interviews me matches 100% of what I believe. And I don't expect 
that I'm that they're going to that, that 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 would be an appropriate thing to do. So I take a wide range of interviews from CBC all the way through to alternative media because my job is to get our message out about Alberta. And I told everyone that I wanted to make sure that somebody who has a very loud voice in America knew that we were a partner in being able to provide energy security and energy affordability. And I got that message out. You know, Tamara Ugolini, I think an important point here, and I really think right now uh, Premier Smith is probably the best premier in our entire dominion. But she will take questions from everybody, even those on, you know, the CBC or the Edmonton Journal who hate her guts and are ideologues and leftist progressives. Uh, contrast that to the Liberal Party of Canada. Mm -hmm. um, myself and all my colleagues here at Rebel News, um, we can't get into press conferences under a threat of trespass. We can't get into the House of Commons because the parliamentary press gallery, which is in the Liberals' pocket, won't approve us, you know, for, for members. Um, so, you know, it's kind of funny, Tamara, our haters say, well, you know, going back to that uh, four-year uh, anniversary vigil for the Iranian uh, uh, massacre uh, by shooting down the Ukrainian airline, uh, why was uh, Menzies harassing, uh, you know, Minister Freeland, uh, you know, on a public sidewalk? Uh, guys, that's the only way we get to ask questions, is out in public trying to scrum them, a time-honored uh, tactic of journalism, I might add. So... And, and then the other point is Premier Smith or her party had absolutely nothing to do with the organization of these events. She was an invited guest and she accepted. So I contrast Premier Smith being open to any and all media, including the hostiles, whereas if you're uh, Justin Trudeau and his liberals, uh, it is only the state-approved uh, taxpayer-funded train seals and government stenographers that are allowed into venues. Yeah, and I like that tweet that she put out there, uh, or maybe it's just, I think it's called a post now that's on X, formerly mm. Twitter. But um, Danielle Smith sends out a, a packed house in Edmonton, Alberta, to witness free debate, thought and expression. We need more of this from all sides. And I think that attests to exactly what you've said. Like, yep. Progress isn't born from just being coddled in an echo chamber. Progress is born from having discussions, robust discussions, robust debate, and trying to sort out our issues from a multifaceted thought approach. And we've seen that under the oppressive regime of the Justin Trudeau liberals, where progress just sends us around in circles and circles and circles, and no one, after eight years of his rule, is better, nine years, is better off. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how we're expected to progress as a society when we just become boxed into these labels and echo chambers. It's really um, disheartening, but refreshing to see at least some people continuing to uphold true progress in our country. And you know, uh, Tamara Ugolini, I see the other post uh, in the uh, corner there. There we go. Thank you, uh, Super Producer Olivia. Uh, you have Jordan Peterson, Premier Smith, Tucker Carlson, and Conrad Black. Uh, boy, that's my version of a political fantastic four. And you know, to see the mainstream media folks turn into petulant children. On their, uh, Andrew Coyne, who commits the most heinous sin when it comes to journalism, and that's he's boring. In this business, be good, be bad, be so bad you're good, but Coyne is boring. 
he retweeted that post and his comment was, you deserve each other. What a little petulant crying child you are. I mean, it is just unbelievable that I think we actually have, there we go. In fairness, they deserve each other. What do you mean by that? Yet this, another Globe and Mail sissy who is upset that um, somebody that they don't like is getting all the world attention, at least for one evening, and he's got to condemn it and not even explain, folks, why they deserve each other. He just says it dismissively. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you know why they're, they're, they're mega MAGA people. Well, actually just MAGA regular actually. Uh, but again, uh, this coming from the most boring man in Canadian journalism. Uh, I, if I was any of those four, I would wear that condemnation as a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. That's right. All right. Let's go to a really right. quick ad break here. And then we'll okay. come back to talk about justice, former justice minister Lametti's resignation. Oh, the timing is impeccable, isn't it? <laughs> COVID self again. You're not alone. The wellness company's spike support formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twc.health slash rebel today. Justin Trudeau's new censorship law, Bill C-18, it's a shakedown and a desperate attempt to keep the mainstream media afloat. Many have already lost their ability to access our Facebook and Instagram pages. The blackout will soon affect every user in Canada. We've partnered with Private Internet Access, a VPN provider dedicated to safeguarding digital privacy. For just $2 a month, you can maintain your access to our content across all your devices at piavpn.com slash rebelnews. You know, by the way, on the topic of access, uh, you know, acceptability, I should say to Mary Ugolini, uh, Sid the Kid Fazard raises an interest, interesting point, you know, uh, the Trudeau Liberals censorship bills. Um, you know, I think that is not acceptable. We are supposed to be a Western democracy. We are supposed to embrace free speech, free assembly, free expression, a free press. And yet the liberals, they bought off almost everybody, but the few independent voices that remain, uh, that's the one burning candle out of the 99 that they have snuffed out and they have turned into censorious thugs as opposed to parliamentarians in a democracy, they should be ashamed of themselves. That, Pablo, is unacceptable. And in better news for the liberals, <laughs> in worse news for the liberals, we have the former justice minister, David Lametti, has officially resigned as Montreal liberal MP. Um, he will remove himself, I suppose, from his seat at the end of this month. Um, it's just if we're reading down this National Post article here, the second paragraph, he says in a statement, Lametti said it was with some sadness that he is leaving his dream job, but said that his constituents would benefit from a change of voice and style after more than eight years in the job. I mean, you don't say. <laughs> um, has he already been appointed uh, with some pork position uh, or... Is that in the uh, moments ahead? I, I think he has yeah. been. But the thing that bugs me, and I'm not a lawyer, Tamara Ugolini, and maybe we should seek a legal opinion on this. He deleted 
his Twitter account, but that wasn't his personal account. That was his government account. That is government or, in other words, public property. I don't think, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think you're allowed to do that. And and well, what was so, you know, odious? What was the, what content does David Lametti uh, post the court decision not want anyone to view right now? That's just it. This comes uh, a few days after the, the courts of Canada ruled that the invocation of the Emergencies Act, which was unprecedented, uh, really wartime adjacent legislation, uh, deployed on the peaceful trucker convoy that took to the nation's capital, Ottawa, in January and February 2022. And in response to that, Justin Trudeau, I mean, he cowered in hiding. I think he had COVID then for the third or fourth time, maybe after his third or fourth booster. Um, but he refused to talk to the protesters who were I, really protesting the cross-border travel mandates and how it would affect truckers. But then as they saw the support as they drove across Canada, it really turned into a protest against all of the COVID mandates yeah. and the COVID regime in general that enforced these uh, diktats, public health diktats, so heavily and without that robust discussion and debate, those things that are important to a functioning democracy. And of course, because we don't have freedom of the press in this country either, you couldn't even speak truth to power and ask any questions about how this was all coming to fruition um, because you simply, as David mentioned earlier, aren't allowed to go to press conferences yeah. or ask any of those impolite or controversial questions. Um, anyway, those, so those images, by the way, bring back such warm memories even though that was the coldest Ottawa weather I've ever experienced. I was yes. there for most of it. Uh, uh, Alexa Lavoie and Lincoln Jay were there for all of it. Uh, thank goodness, because that was history. Um, but you know what? Um, to fast forward to the decision of a couple of days ago, uh, Tamara Ugolini, I truly believe the Liberals were shocked by this decision because... That judge was a liberal appointee, not under Trudeau, but under Kretchen. And I thought they thought the fix was in. This is a liberal-friendly judge, although I understand he's very well respected in Ottawa across political lines. I am fully confident they expected the judge to rule in their favor, and they were absolutely gobsmacked when the decision went against them. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, Lametti was the, the Minister of Justice at the time, and he was the one who was um, urging Anita Anand to yeah. bring in tanks <laughs> against his own unarmed citizens to squash this peaceful protest <laughs> at the nation's capital where you would traditionally go to protest your grievances with the government, the federal um, government. Um, I'm not sure if we can pull up. There's You can find some of the the screenshots. Or sorry, it was Marco Mendicino that he was in discussion with. Um, and he said, and they say, oh, we were joking. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll just put I'll just put this into the... What a knee slapper. Send in war machines uh, to take care of those uh, pesky freedom fighters. Just kidding. But, but no. they say in this conversation, <laughs> how many tanks are you asking for? I just want Anita. I just want to ask Anita how many we've got on hand. I reckon, That's a good question. I reckon one will do, he says, with two exclamation points. And this is against unarmed protesters, Canadian citizens. Yeah. This is our justice minister who's now, it's been determined, 
unconstitutionally invoked wartime legislation to squash a peaceful protest, essentially framing them as domestic terrorists. Yeah, well, right? And you can see the footage for yourself. It's a it's a giant party. And don't forget, people were prevented from in-person gatherings for the better part of two years. We're told, stay six feet apart. You can only gather inside with five. And then it was 10. And then it was five again. And then it was only if you're vaccinated. And then it was, make sure that you ostracize your unvaccinated family members and friends and never allow them into the restaurants, into the movie theaters, into any sort of social public space that's inside. Um, and so Canadians were fed up and they had been apart and forced, isolated for so long that they just wanted to come together and have some good old fashioned Canadian fun. And then they were framed by this government, this oppressive regime as domestic terrorists who invoked emer the Emergencies Act to use unprecedented force on their own citizens. And then at the same time, you have on February 2nd here, uh, the justice, former justice minister saying to, to deploy just one tank will do. Yeah, and you know what, Tamara Ugolini, I wonder how many other rats are going to desert this sinking ship. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Marco Pinocchio. I mean, Mendicino. Um, but now that uh, David Lametti has deleted his Twitter account and he's buggered off to God knows where, all I have to say to this loser is this, tanks for the memories. <laughs> Let's show this minister of innovation um, reacting to this re resignation as an MP. Actually, before we play that clip, sorry, I just want to point out too that uh, Justice Minister Lametti, it has been a pivotal, played a pivotal role in the development and implementation of MAID. That's government-sanctioned euthanasia, medical assistance in dying. And this clip here, um, the Minister of Innovation doesn't even know the acronym for MAID, <laughs> if you can believe it. And his legacy after taking over from Ms. Wilson-Raple? Uh, listen. Everyone's serving in, in their own way. I, I think uh, Minister Lametti served at the time where Canada were well served by having someone of his uh, intelligence, integrity, and vision. Um, you know, he served in the, uh, uh, at the time where, where the country went to a lot of different things, COVID, uh, <clears throat> the Emergencies Act, uh, the assistance, uh, and medical aid assistance uh, for uh, people who were uh, seeking uh, we call it made. made exactly I'm always trying to find the right acronym yes, exactly. um, but he, he served at a at, at very crucial time in Canada's history and I was saying I think he will be remembered as a uh, a key member uh, of the cabinet uh, for, during Prime Minister Trudeau's uh, uh, term, but also uh, uh, I think it will be remembered as as a very very uh, significant minister of justice and solicitor general for Canada. Very few of them in the history of Canada have gone to so much as he has, and and so uh, uh, for me it will always remain a friend. And I think Canadians uh, should know in their heart and mind that they were served by someone who has uh, a, a deep intellect. Uh, a knowledge of the law, which is unparalleled, and a sense of duty to, to the country, which is uh, you would want to see in every elected leaders. You know, Tamara Ugolini, it's so perversely amusing, isn't it, how the Trudeau liberals 
are so acronym challenged. Uh, he can't even uh, remember MADE, uh, which is very much in the news, rolls off the tongue. And yet, Yara Sachs, two years ago, uh, said that honk honk, you know, somebody honking their horn twice, was an acronym her words, not mine, folks, for Heil Hitler. First of all, this moron doesn't even know what an acronym is. An acronym is not a sonic blast. It's a bunch of initials that form an actual proper word. Do we have that, guys, uh, Yara Sachs, talking about her favorite acronym? Uh, yeah, just, just while you see this rocket science a scientist in action. How much vitriol do we have to see of Hong Kong, which is an acronym for Hail Hitler? do we need to see by these protesters on social media? Mm -hmm. oh, that's that's now our Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Yeah, she got a promotion. And more to the point, uh, uh, Tamara Golini, back in December, we went out to cover a demonstration outside her constituency office uh, in the North York area of Toronto. It was the pro-Hamas types. Guess what? Cars were coming by all the time. Honk, honk! Um, did uh, Yayara Sachs, who is Jewish, I might uh, say, maybe that's neither here nor there, but did Yayara Sachs uh, condemn the pro-Hamas people for their Heil Hitler acronyms? Because I'll tell you, there's been a whole lot of Heil Hitlerin going around when you go to these pro-Hamas demonstrations. Unbelievable. And speaking of which, uh, we have a video here of Trudeau saying that having liberal MPs form a pro-Hamas caucus within the party is a strength because, as always, <laughs> I think that, well, he thinks that diversity is our strength. And I don't know if we have that uh, clip quite ready yet, but... Um, is it diversity or perversity? I'm, I'm, I'm losing track here. Both, I guess, <laughs> these days in Canada. I mean, we see record immigration numbers now, proving that diversity is, in fact, crumbling our economy. Um, here's a clip. We have it up. You know, the contrast uh, is being drawn by some of the other parties. That within our party, we have a range of voices and perspectives on some pretty big issues, including around the Middle East. But of course, Canadians hold a range of views and perspectives on <laughs> such difficult issues. And it is really, really important. And indeed, it's a great strength of this party that here in this room, we can have deep and serious and difficult conversations about how to move forward, how to support Canadians, how to protect and support democracy and people and civilians and, and, and innocents around the world as we build a better future for everyone. Having those difficult conversations, being able to have conversations in this room that are the reflection of conversations that need to be having across the country is a strength, not a weakness. And anyone pointing to that as a weakness does not get Canada. <laughs> because even as we are absolutely 
having difficult conversations that are the reflection of the perspectives of the world, we remain unequivocal and undivided on the fact that as we work towards a two-state solution in the Middle East, we need to make sure that we're standing against hatred and intolerance here in Canada for families across the country and for people around the world. That's what we're focused and united on. Tamara Ugolini, is this guy really that tone deaf? Is he that insular? He says Canadians hold a range of views and perspectives. Oh, yeah, that's right, Justin. Only thing is, folks, if you hold a view or perspective that is not approved by the Liberal Party of Canada, well, you know what? You'll get arrested, maybe thrown in solitary, maybe assaulted on the street, or have your bank account frozen if you've made even a $20 donation to a GoFundMe uh, campaign. Can you believe the chutzpah of this guy um, basically... Reinventing himself as a free speech champion when he is the ultimate censorious thug. I've been around for a little while, Tamara. I have never seen a prime minister and a party act like this. Not even Papa Trudeau, who brought in the uh, great granddaddy of the Emergencies Act, the War Measures Act. At least in that case, there was a murder. There was a, a kidnapping. But um, Junior, uh, man, he's making... Uh, pet look like a piker. Well, and I think it was the same day we played the clip. Transport Minister Pablo Rodriguez says, what happened last night is not acceptable. Sharing your controversial <laughs> views or your um, criticisms of our government is not acceptable. Justin Trudeau said it himself when he referred to the convoy as it traveled across Canada to head to Ottawa, said this was a fringe minority with yes. unacceptable views. Yeah. So it's just more political doublespeak. And um, I, I want to say that we're running up against the clock here. We have a couple wow. super chats to get to. I know time flies when it you're does. having fun. Especially at fun at work day. There you go. By the way, I didn't All cross the, the line or anything. I no, mean, you're not going to file another complaint about me. <laughs> another. <you>? Are <laughs> the rumors untrue? <laughs> and Mark gives us $5. And uh, we'll give you, I don't know, what, 20 seconds here, David. But okay. he says, David, or he, she, sorry, I shouldn't assume the gender. Um, <laughs> David, can you speak in your trans? voice. Your video is so funny. Oh, yes. I phoned the Canadian Cancer Society helpline, <laughs> even though the healthcare system is frayed at the seams, folks. Um, the Canadian Cancer Society is advocating that trans women, that's men pretending to be women, come in for a pap smear and a cervix cancer uh, screening. Uh, just one hitch. Um, there is uh, no cervix uh, to screen, but that's okay. We don't want to offend the feeling of these trans people. So uh, I was doing my trans character, Davida, which was, um, uh, yes, I'd like, as a trans woman, I'd like to get my cervix that doesn't exist screened. Mm. That's it. <laughs> you just, you're just missing the Zed cups there. Oh, maybe we have a little clip that we can play. Um, oh, okay. oh, oh, no, we don't. But hopefully that will do for you. Oh, we do. We do, I think. <laughs> Yes, hello there. Um, I am a, a trans woman, and I'm calling about uh, getting a, um, a cervix exam uh, scheduled. Can you help me with that? Yeah, of course. Um, can I just grab your postcode? Yes, it's L4C9V2. Mm. <laughs> okay, um, and just hear me. My name is Davida. Mm. 
D-A-V-I-D-A. Davida. Mm. You know, oh we're having God, a gut laugh okay. about that, folks. And I saw so many comments. Fun saying, at work uh, day. There it is. Yeah, I think someone is going to sue me because he spat his coffee out on his <laughs> monitor and he fried it. But you know what the unfunny thing is? Catering to these mental case trans people oh is taking away a space from a real woman that needs a real cervix examination. Mm -hmm. The Canadian Cancer Society, you should be ashamed of yourself. For decades, Tamara, I have always bought their $100 lottery tickets. Gone. Uh, that is done. I am not contributing to you if you are going to, and you're the people, you represent uh, doctors and scientists. Uh, you should be of the camp, you know, follow the science, except when it comes to biology. Forget it. Canadian Cancer Society, I am done. You aren't getting a nickel of my money moving forward. That's just it, though. Money talks, right? Yep. That's what we should be doing. Put your money where your mouth is and uh, support those who are not bending the knee to this insanity. Exactly. Um, Ulta Peasley gives $10. Thank you very much. Thank you for everything you bring, David. It's amazing watching you on so many platforms. Just watched you on Megan Kelly and Matt Walsh. There you go. Well, you know what? That's so nice. And the fact of the matter is I'm with a huge team. My beloved Tamara Ugolini here, uh, the producers in the background, we are all uh, fighting for the cause of justice. But to your point, my friend, isn't it amazing uh, Matt Walsh and Megan Kelly this week uh, were featuring the transanity in the pool or the perversity in the pool, as I call it. Isn't it odd, with one notable exception, Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun, the Canadian mainstream media is absolutely silence about this story that is getting international traction. Why? It's one of two things. It's either two-third rail for them. They don't want to offend Justin Trudeau because you know how hard he is as a supporter of the trans community or these woke, imbecilic journalists in the mainstream media actually believe rubbish like a trans woman is a real woman. Yeah, maybe they should resign and write PR uh, uh, pieces for the Canadian Cancer Society if they feel that way. What's your take on that, Tamara? This gets international publicity, but radio silence when it comes to Canada. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> that seems to be the way it goes these days. Um, Canada is captured by these ideologues. Yeah. They've had, um, I think it's it was Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum, you know, he says, penetrate the cabinets, and they have. And so you hear radio silence in Canada on the criticisms with these policies because they're, it's, it's all intertwined. Yeah. Um, and in the, in, a, in the America and the U US, I think one of the other clips that we didn't play from Tucker Carlson was just that they actually still have more of a, a free media landscape in the United States. And that is why they're not quite as far gone as we are here in Canada. And they have two of the most beautiful documents ever written, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, which even in the U.S., uh, even with the First Amendment, is under attack by the leftists and the progressives and the Marxists. Oh, you know what? Yeah, those documents are overrated. You know, they were uh, written by white male slave owners. Uh, you know, don't to my American friends, never let 
that, uh, you know, the First Amendment go by the wayside because then you are on the slippery slope to Canada, a banana republic, right? Oh, no, I take that back. We can't grow bananas in Canada. It's too cold. Call us a maple syrup republic, okay? There you go. A couple more. Bill CF7 gives $5. Thank you. David, I'm sure Elon can open up his X account if someone asked him to. So I think that was in response to uh, Lametti closing down. Oh. But you know what? The internet's for forever. Yeah. And um, it's it's good to be aware of that. But I was on, um, there's the Wayback Machine, and then there's also archive.org. <laughs> and I was able to dig up his old account. So there are ways that you can, it would just take a long time to sift through um, unless you had a, a hyperlink that you made note of or otherwise. I try to do that in my web copy, actually. Um, the copy, com the written component of my reports is include hyperlinks because when they go back to scrub them, you can usually use the Wayback Machine or archive archive.org, save the link so that they're there for forever. And then when you go back to source them and they're gone, you can say, oh, wait a minute, I have a backup somewhere else. So there is a backup of his account on those two different websites. You just have to scroll far back to 2022 when they were dealing with this purported emergency um, to read those tweets. So Don't you wish, Tamara Ugolini, there was a real such thing as a way back machine, a time machine? Because I tell you, folks, I'm going back to 1980 when I was in high school and I sold my comic uh -oh. book collection to get a used Camaro so I could get a date in high school. The Chevy failed to deliver. Uh, had I hang, hung on to those comic books, I could buy a new Ferrari off the lot today. Yeah, thank you to the female student body of Lawrence Park Collegiate Institute. David's, I'll never forget. He's still holding on to that grudge. You know, in hindsight, it's always 2020, isn't it? All right. We have short staff here, $5. Um, we're starting to egg David on a little bit, so be, be aware. Love you, Dave. Do you have a name for the bald-headed Gestapo punk who illegally arrested you. You know what, short staff? I think Careful. you just nailed it. Bald-headed Gestapo punk. <laughs> uh, that uh, that works for me, my friend. Uh, and um, talk about truth in advertising, eh, Tamara? There it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're just about seven minutes past the hour. So we'll wrap up this Friday live stream. Thanks to everybody at home who joined us. And I don't know when we'll be back again. I think it will be mostly Sheila on Fridays as your host. But um, it was great to be here in studio. Indeed. And I just want to say to uh, everybody in Windsor, because I know there's a uh, big uh, population there that cheers on Detroit teams being that they're across the river uh, Lions at San Francisco do you know Tamaria Ugolini I know you're not a big football fan the Lions have been around for 90 years can you imagine that almost a century they've never won a Super Bowl they've never oh, even been to a Super Bowl one more game against the 49ers and they're there my sons are in Windsor so they're rooting them on so uh, please let's end the misery. Let's see those lions uh, progress. And uh, I got to tell you, you, my friend, are a lioness in your tenacity. Uh, oh, <laughs> do we have one more uh, I heard chat? something. Do we have? Okay. We do. We Saved have Nana the Awake. There we go. We we're just trying to wrap things up. He snuck in there. Nana Awake gives $10. Thank you. As a former regular donor and a female former cancer patient, I am appalled. No wonder they haven't found a cure for cancer. Shame on them. What a profound um, How do you find message. cervical cancer on a male, anyway? Well, we live in a world now, uh, Tamara, that my monologue was about this. It's about pretend people being catered to about their pretend psychosis 
And the fact is, we just don't have people standing up. We don't have that little boy in the classic fable saying, hey, uh, the king's got no clothes on. Uh, and if that boy existed today, he's attacked by uh, cancel culture. He's uh, sent to an institution to, uh, to uh, correct his wrong think. But if we all stood up, and there's more of us than them folks, if we all had that I'm Spartacus moment and took a stand against transanity, which is an attack on female safe spaces, not just, you know, cancer screening or sports or shelters or even penitentiaries, we would win. And I'm going to give uh, six figures of free political advice to the Pierre Polyev conservatives. Take a stand on this issue. There are millions and millions and millions of Canadians that are ready to give you a standing ovation that we shouldn't cater to mentally ill people. They should be in an institution uh, for their protection and ours. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a new kind of MAGA for me, Tamara Ugolini. Make asylums great again. <laughs> There you have it. Riveting final thoughts with us here in the Rebel News studio at Rebel headquarters. And uh, until next time, I think, David, your signature yes. sign off. Go lines and be safe and be sane. <laughs> well, I, we're here. I'm here with my colleagues, Liberal Caucus members, ministers all to talk about what happened last night in Edmonton when the premier of the province of Alberta, Daniel Smith, invites Tucker Carlson right into the heart of my writing. You can tell a lot about a person by the company they keep. And I have knocked those doors in Edmonton Centre. And I know how progressive a riding Edmonton Centre is. I've represented it since 2015. And for Danielle Smith to bring the mouthpiece of the mega conservative far right to Edmonton Centre to spew hate about LGBTQ2 people is beyond the pale. It's deplorable and we won't stand for it. And I can tell you it is completely unacceptable for the premier of any province to say that she wants to put a target on the back of any Canadian politician and my friend and colleague Stephen Gilbo simply for doing his job. You can have respectful discourse in this country. You can raise the issue. You can bang your fist on a table at a FedProv meeting. That's all legit. But you do not summon the dogs of MAGA conservatism to come and somehow scare, try to scare us and to try to incite violence against politicians of any stripe. It's not acceptable. And if she would take her job seriously, she'd actually be focused on housing, on climate change, on actually solving the issues of Albertans, like forgetting her ridiculous proposal on CPP, instead of trying to summon uh, evil forces from the United States to try to take on one of our colleagues. What is the violence, I, I think the minister also said this in French, what is the violence that they are bringing to Canada? What is the political violence that you're talking about? Just to be very clear. Well, to put, to, to put a, a target on, on someone's back, for example, to, name what is well, evil, to put what someone is the evil in crosshairs. I mean, uh, spewing hate speech about LGBTQ people, trying to bring the kind of division that they have in the United States north of the border. Um, MAGA style conservatism has no place in Canada, and it's trying to reach into through our borders. And as Minister Rodriguez has said, conservative premiers, instead of doing their jobs, are trying to invite this wave of populism. And I can tell you, it's making newcomers nervous and fearful. People in the LGBTQ2 community do not feel safe. We have people who want to run for office that take a look at what happened last night at Edmonton and say, why bother? And that is not good for the political commons and it's not good for Canadian democracy. <laughs>